Hi, I'm Vincent Price. You may know me from such films as The Fly and The Fly 2. Today on The Waffle Press, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. And on this very spooky black and white episode, this is going to be black and white, right, Gene? All right, you can keep that in. It's kind of funny. This will be our discussion on Halloween movies, not the Halloween franchise. Hopefully never have to talk about those again. I think they greenlit two sequels, but oh well. And uh, we just want to look back at some, some underrated horror films. We tweeted out a question. There was lots of great responses, but again, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. And with me to talk about horror movies in this very special, again, black and white Halloween episode is Gina Versa, my co-host. Hello, my fellow ghouls. Hello. Why do it have to be ghouls? I don't know. What's Dude. the matter with ghouls? Just don't like them. For excellent ghoul content on the internet, watch the clip of Adam Driver in the Jim Jarmusch movie that everyone loves, The Dead Don't Die. He says ghouls better than anyone else on the planet. It's a movie I didn't like. I didn't like it either. But uh, I like Adam Driver. You know what else I like, Gene? When Jim Jarmusch. Jim, Jim Jarmusch. I would still recommend every other movie he's made. Just not that one. Just not, I'll, I'll give another shot, Matt, if you're listening. Uh, but I also love horror movies. I do. Last I year was a great year. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, I got to talk about every Halloween entry in the franchise, uh, including the one without Michael Myers. That's actually really good. So go check that out over on the, the Waffle Press Retrospectives. Um, but last year was the, the return of Halloween, uh, Venom's a big old monster movie, The Predator, which I'm the only person on the planet who still enjoys, and uh, it just felt like there was more of a Halloween spirit going around. Lots of fun horror movies to talk about. This year, It Chapter 2 came out two months ago. And The Lighthouse, <laughs> directed and written by Robert Eggers and his brother Matt Eggers. Uh, I think I might do just a, a standalone episode on that at some point. I don't know. I really love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene, did you also enjoy The Lighthouse? Yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed The Lighthouse. Um, I don't know if, uh, if, it's up, if it's like up there with The Witch, but it was certainly, uh, certainly good. The, uh, just the uh, madness of it and just uh, Robert Pattinson and uh, William Defoe. You could code it as like these two... These, like these, this old couple just hate each other after a while. There's been a lot of great like analysis on that film, and I, I will agree. I don't know if it's like up to the witch, but yeah, when you come out just swinging like that, like it's kind of hard to gauge whatever just swinging comes, these fists. Yeah, whatever comes next, it's kind of hard to be like, is it as good? It's like I don't know, but the lighthouse rules. But there's been a lot of great analysis on that film already that I've loved reading, but. Far and away, the best one is like just a random tweet I saw where someone compared it to an episode of Spongebob where it's just in the Krusty Krab starring Mr. Krabs and Squidward tentacles. That's all I need to know about The Lighthouse. It's a fantastic film. It's not scary in the traditional sense, although there's a shot later that just seared itself into my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely more of like a kind of a dark fairy tale. But I, I would still classify it like as horror, you know, because horror has a really broad umbrella to talk about. And uh, that's really, like, it that came out this year? I, mean, I guess, like, Three from Hell. Three from Hell? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that movie yet, but this is a pro Devil's Rejects podcast, I assume, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I don't like Devil's Rejects as much. Oh. But I like Three from Hell. Really? Yeah, I felt that it uh, wasn't as mean-spirited as oh, uh, okay. Devil's Rejects. All right. And the, uh, the was it the, uh, not B-movie, but the Grindhouse Nature of it was okay. uh, 
something I enjoyed better than them just like just killing everyone because <laughs> they have to fight the like a satanic gang. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Is it how 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 late in the game is that? Is that a revelation? Because like I, the I know, second act. Uh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Because I know nothing about it. I just really love the Devil's Rejects. Like that's kind of my peak Rob Zombie fascination mm-hmm. right there. But uh, the fact that you like it more interests me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like more so than I was already going into it. Yeah. But um, R.I.P. Captain Spaulding. Yeah, yeah. Sid Haig, the great Sid Haig, who's a, a horror movie icon. R.I.P. Great. Every movie he showed up in, he was like great in. He has a nice send off. Oh yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm, am I gonna cry? No, I don't think so. Because, like, in a weird way, I found myself... Part of the reason I loved Devil's Rejects was that I found myself, like, really loving the characters. Even though they're god-awful people. Like, I was fascinated by them. And, like, how they just don't fit anywhere. They're horrible, horrible people. But it's, like, it's kind of sad that they don't even recognize that they don't fit anywhere because of how terrible they are. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, you know, it's not... This is a weird comparison. It's almost like how I almost kind of feel bad for Donald Trump that no one likes him. But it's, like, it's... He does it to himself. I'm not... I'm not endorsing any even empathy towards him. I'm just saying, like, the fact that he can't even recognize that it's his own fault. You saw him at the World Series. Oh, yeah. No, that was great. He was going to burst out into tears. (laughs) Fantastic. The person who caught that on camera deserves, like, a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, that. Um, Don't but, mess with uh, baseball fans. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that was that gave me hope in America when everyone just starts collectively booing him in public. Terrific stuff. Uh, so what we're going to do for the rest of this episode is kind of go back and forth on a handful of horror films that we really want to talk about and highlight in light of the absence of horror movies this year. So my pick is actually, in a weird way, I consider it aesthetically similar. Uh, Danny Boyle's original 28 Days Later. Now, I'm not actually even a big Danny Boyle fan, but I think he struck something very, like, interesting with 28 Days Later. He likes to play with, like, aesthetics and, like, cameras a lot. And 28 Days Later is a fascinating movie to me because it's it didn't just, like, kind of reinvigorate the zombie genre. Like, uh, I think something like The Walking Dead would have still taken off regardless of that had come out, regardless of how much might have been a little familiar. Um, but I... I it's filmed on these really low-rent cameras you can get for, like, $200 now. Like, it's not ex- an expensive movie, but it feels expensive. Like, there are these great images of, like, London abandoned uh, when they really just shot um, without permits and maybe kind of broke a couple laws, and I think that's kind of cool, too. But uh, no one was hurt with that. It's, it's, it's harmless law-breaking, uh, as one is wont to do. But it's a very ugly-looking movie, and I think there's kind of a beauty in its ugliness, because even though it's, like, a vicious film about people getting torn apart by zombies, it's also, like, oh, yeah, like, the humanity in the situation, like, what's really what they're fighting for, and how, like, quickly that can be taken away, and it's a, it's kind of like one of those Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque movies, like, something that feels like you just pulled it out of, like, the craziest circumstance ever, mm-hmm. and you kind of feel dirty afterwards. <laughs> Except there's only there's only one scene where they use 35 millimeter cameras, and it's at the very end, and it's very, it feels like a great release. Um, it will never receive a great Blu-ray transfer though, because of the cameras they shot on. Um, so we kind of have to live with that. But uh, it's it's a favorite of mine. It may be my favorite modern zombie movie, if not like my number one favorite. It just kind of has like all the details of that, um, that that I really appreciate in the genre. And I kind of feel like we kind of forgot that they were going to do a third one at some point. And I feel mm. like that one would still do well in spite of The Walking Dead, like, <laughs> bleeding viewers. Yeah. But I don't know. That might just be me. 
Yeah, you have any thoughts on 28 Days Later? Um, 28 Days Later, um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but um, yeah, the uh, the digital cameras are uh, certainly something to behold, especially like in 2002, three? 2002, yeah. 2002, I was right the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, uh, Killian Murphy is uh, such a, a good everyman in it, where, uh, you know, he doesn't really have too many zombie kills. Yeah, no, he's... No one's shooting, like, headshots all the time. He's, uh... He's not even, like, a big, like, action hero role. He's an everyman who gets thrust into the or- into an extraordinary situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would say the uh, the moments of, like, um, you know, the zombies are certainly good, but I like all the human aspects of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, when they're just driving around in the countryside, and it's, like, set to that upbeat music. Mm-hmm. That's uh, such, a, uh, such a pleasure to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's very calming and serene at times which makes like the horrific like rage attacks even more like unsettling and mm-hmm. and and vicious uh, i want to pull up some tweets but why don't you go ahead and introduce your next film yeah i would uh, counter with another zombie movie one cut of the dead i really enjoyed on shutter um thanks for my girlfriend for giving me a shutter account um it's uh it's a zombie movie but then it's not it's about um It's about making movies, making a zombie movie specifically, and they have to do it televised. So it's a televised movie live. And it really shows the frustration of uh, just making any movie. I don't know if that's cliche. uh, Here's the thing about cliche, if I could just say really quick. Mm -hmm. Cliche is not wrong. Cliche is cliche for a reason. It's because one, it works, or it's truthful. If you just do it because it's cliche, I think it's when people run into the problem. But like, there's nothing wrong with like familiar territory, you know? So yeah, I really appreciate it the uh, pathos of uh, just showing how something gets made, a film especially. Yeah, so I asked people on the Waffle Press Twitter account, what horror movies do people love but rarely get to talk about? So, uh, at T. Brian Wolf, Attack the Block, which is a great film and will certainly make my best of the decade list. Uh, here's from uh, Phil Antum of the Opera, a longtime friend of the show, 28 Days and Weeks Later, so... Um, Bringing it it all around. I haven't seen 28 Weeks Later. 28 Weeks Later is kind of the aliens to 28 Days Later's Alien. Faster, more intense. Yeah. I, in in very similar fashion, I also do not like it as much or do not think it's as good as the first film. But it's uh, it's trying something different and I I really appreciate that. It had a very unfortunate release date. It was against Spider-Man 3. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's why there's no third one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Think like Shrek 3, Pirates 3. Oh, yeah. 2007 was kind of like this year for summer movies. Exactly. Where it was just like everything's big and, and no one ended up liking a lot of them. No. Whoops. Especially not Shrek 3. Yeah. Shrek 2 is still a great film, though. <laughs> Love Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Shrek 1 and Shrek 2 are still good. Matt. Some, some ogres. Some ogres. Um... What what else you got? Oh, um, I'll go with uh, my next choice is Candyman. Oh, nice. Um, saw it again on Netflix recently. It's probably uh, the only good selection on Netflix. Oh no no <laughs> Netflix has, has some stuff hidden away. It's hidden not... deep, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the scariness of Candyman, the creepiness, certainly holds up, and the fact um, you know that it had a white lead, I think, um, didn't hurt it either. It didn't age age terribly. I would say in my estimation. I think... I, I love Candyman. I love the first yeah. Candyman. The second one is not... 
terrible. The third one's flat out awful. Yeah. If you ever get to watch the sequels, I would still recommend them because there's always an interesting like through line in racial like tension through those films. And I, sometimes they don't know what to do with them, including yeah. the first film, I feel like. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's at least interested in bringing this stuff up and like trying to deal with it mm-hmm. in, in a way that's like not just for like exploitation you know yeah like it's, it's not exploiting like black bodies and stuff like that with the horror like there's a genuine tragedy to candy man that i really like too mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah yeah i just i didn't uh i, I didn't find her like um like yeah you know, uh, trying to a terrible person or uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean so, she's like so that's patronizing yeah, and yeah. Uh, a f- that film with that narrative can kind of yeah go that way very quickly. Like La La Lorna, the curse, the curse of La La Lorna. Oh, I didn't watch that. I didn't. Watch, it seemed like it was kind of patronizing, condescending. Yeah, why would I do that? No, no, no. Besides, my idea for it's better. Anyways, um, another one uh, from at Synthetic Owl, the Friday Thirteenth reboot, oh, it's which Owl. at Synthetic. Synthetic Owl? Yeah. Synthetic Owl? Owl. Synthetic Owl? I knew it. Take that, Gene. Uh, Friday 13th reboot from 2009, which is actually my favorite Friday 13th film. Um, I don't know if that's controversial still around these parts, but I I really like that one. And uh, Jason X, because that film is made by crazy people. (laughs) And Mike Messina, if you're listening to this, I know it's still your favorite movie, and that's okay. I accept you. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's Jason Goes to Space, uh, and everyone should watch it because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I feel like the same screenwriter that did Leprechaun in Space. Was it really? I feel like, imagine if it was. We're short on time. Otherwise like, I would spend time yeah, like looking really at that. Yeah, I really want to look that up. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up later. Uh, if it's not too much trouble, just put like a little thing there. It's, <laughs> it was um, not. <laughs> Uh, at Salmados, The Last Exorcism, and 13 Ghosts. Film I, I have not seen either of those. Have you seen either of those? 13 Ghosts has the best uh, crazy Matthew Lillard. Oh, I love He's crazy Matthew Lillard. Insane in it. Tony Shaw, Monk. So this is the Concerned best. Concerned Dad, Shannon Elizabeth, uh, Babysitter. This is the just best dies. movie ever? She just dies, though. Well, it's a horror movie. A lot of people yeah. die, I assume, right? Um, it's like very 2000s, for sure. Oh. It's like that 2000s uh, oh. just way of filming everything, overexposing everything. Oh. Putting like, some wacky gadgets in there. Oh. Look, it doesn't I, have like Limp Biscuit or something. I just want the Run Lola Run of horror movies. <laughs> That's what I want. If, you know, if no one's seen Run Lola Run, just watch it and you're like, oh, this is where the 2000s got their aesthetic from. Yeah. From 90s French action films. Uh, let me see. You know, actually, one of mine. Uh, that I rarely get to talk about uh, and hit very close to me as a child of divorce was Possession from 1981 starring Sam Neill and uh, it's a film about divorce. It's also a lot more than that but go in with that knowledge beforehand and uh, just... I, I don't even know how to tee it up. It's a weird movie. It's horribly depressing. Uh, Maybe this is why Hereditary hasn't held up so much for me because I was like, I watched Possession and I was like, oh, this is like what Ari Aster wants. And I have nothing against him. I'm just saying like that, that one, I kind of got the same vibe from, from uh, Hereditary as that. But uh, it's also a movie with like weird social subtext kind of about like maybe the world's ending or is it just like a relationship ending? It's kind of like being sprung upon the world. Um, 
There is a horrifying sequence in a subway. Anyone who's ever seen it knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it will leave you very uncomfortable. And you'll, you'll need a shower after. Everything I talk about today is just going to be something you need a shower after. Because <laughs> I like my horror movies down and dirty, I guess. Just, uh, just horrible, horrible, nasty experiences that leave you scarred for life. <laughs> but that, that might just be me. Uh, another one. At Emerald Williams, I fucking love the Blair Witch Project so much. I also love the Blair Witch Project so much. Do you like the Blair Witch Project, Gene? Uh, yeah, I, I uh, think it uh, is a good time capsule of 1999 mm-hmm. or 1997 when it takes place. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then uh, just the fact everyone thought it was real certainly adds to the mystique. Yeah, It's yeah. like War of the Worlds, the televised play. Mm-hmm. Everyone just thought... It was real just because, you know, no internet, really. <laughs> you know? um, what I, I, I love the Blair Witch Project, like, with all my heart. That's like a top five favorite horror movie situation for me. I always kind of considered it just because of the era we grew up in. It's kind of like like a creepypasta movie <laughs> where it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's not real. But then you start thinking about it, like, late at night, and you're like, okay, but what if? Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of changes the way you look at, like, trees at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, like, when how often does a horror movie, like, not just scare you or unsettle you, but, like, makes you look at things differently? Like, it's like Jaws with the water, the Blair Witch Project for trees. I, 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 don't, I don't know how much else, you know? Uh, did, how old were you when you first saw the Blair Witch Project? I kind of want to get into this one. Um, maybe, like, 14, 15. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. think my parents let me see it. Was that a was that a, pop, was that a popcorn tosser for you? Like, a... um, yeah, it would certainly creeped me out. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't I you know I wish I saw it in theaters when the the public perception of it was that it was real would have made it maybe more frightening, more scary. Mm-hmm. So, what uh what what films scared you when you were younger? Uh, when I was younger, I, I feel like I was like scared at like random uh, things like the monkeys in Wizard of Oz <laughs> really freaked me out. Um, the the man, ironically, the man, Oz, the great Oz mm-hmm. scared me with his like voice. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like I would say less horror movies, just like very intense scenes from like any movie like Pee Wee's. He was Big Adventure, like Large Marge. Okay. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, with like the exact same scare. Like the Dan Aykroyd character. Interesting. Like just, uh, I would say, um, unexpected uh, scenes in any any sort of movie freaked me out, yeah. That, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Like uh, horror movies really scared me when I was younger. And I didn't really come around them to like, I don't know, maybe like five years ago, like. Like, they stopped scaring me at a certain point, but, like, I just wasn't that in love with them like I am now. But uh, I remember the Dawn of the Dead remake really doing a number on me with the the birth scene. Ugh. Yeah. You're, like, I was just yeah, saying gross. that. I just brought that back, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, no spoilers for that, but that might be the best Zack Snyder movie, too. Just just uh, tossing that one out there. Maybe, yeah. Um, what, <laughs> this is a weird one. What really scared me was not a horror movie like you. Was uh, there's a scene in the Disney Alice in Wonderland where the queen starts shouting off with her head. Oh, yeah. And just the image of all, like every creation in that film, like lunging at the screen, trying to decapitate a young girl, <laughs> uh, just 
broke my brain for yeah. a long time, and it scared the shit out of me. Uh, that that one wasn't so much a popcorn tosser as much a like just a, a night keeper upper. Mm-hmm. Like I had, that one gave me actually like nightmare nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Alien and Signs freaked me out. Really? Yeah. When it just comes out. Yeah. Phoenix, it's like move, move, children. Um, yeah, just I, I find a lot of like um, like. Just any, like, uh, not even like horror movies, like sci-fi or suspense, where it just changes the tone, really free, thinking about being, like, uh, looking into the psychology of my inner child was, yeah, when the tone changed, certainly always freaked me out. I got two things on that. Uh, There's a great tonal shift in Parasite, the new Bong Joon-ho movie, which is the best film of the year, I think. Uh, it is. Give, give it yeah. all the awards ever. But there's a tonal shift there that is horrifying. That's all I'll say. It, it reveals what the movie is, and it's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the signs one scared the shit out of me, too. And I think I know what still scares me. Uh, it's low-res images from, like, around the time our generation was growing up. From the VHS tapes to the early digital stuff. Um, there's something about the way that's like, it's not, the technology's not quite there yet. It's, it's evolving, but it can't quite get there. It makes it feel like a different sort of ghost that you don't really see. That's why Blair Witch Project still scares you out of me. That's why Signs, that image of the alien is horrifying. Um, just chilling. Yeah, it's like Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just vibing, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I watched, this is my last choice for uh, underrated horror films and i think we got to wrap up soon um lake mungo i saw recently which is not that scary throughout it but it's a very depressing again a very depressing movie that uh takes a toll on you and it all basically builds up to one scare and when that scare hits you it's also depressing but it also sticks with you because it's I had this whole thing where I was like, oh, they should film a horror phone like on a, sh- a horror film on like a shitty iPhone or something like that, or like yeah. a really down and dirty like old Nokia. And then in this scene, that happens. And there's something about the way the images like are composed that it's kind of like you've seen a similar shape, you just haven't seen the definitions of it. And that I think really like stuck out to me. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you everyone for, for listening or watching. If you're on the SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, like and subscribe. If you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Gene, help me sign off. Yeah, you can um, find me on Twitter, Gene9892. And you can follow me at the Diego Crespo, uh, the Twitters, and again, everything links down below. Uh, thank you for all the help behind the camera and behind this door. And... Everyone around. There's only two people that helped us, but I'm very appreciative of them. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.